0: Fred's Front Porch Podcast is made possible by Jenner Zeno and Studio Stargazer, our unofficial patron saint, Alex Oliphant, Coralie Day with Scott Knight, Edith Keeler, and Hermione Granger. Welcome, fellow traveler, on this rock tumbling through space. I'm Fred, and this is my Front Porch, Come on up and sit awhile. There are ideas to be discussed on this old set of nicely nailed together boards. Our minutes and who we Really are. As 2021 draws to a close, it's probably worthwhile to reflect on how we spent our time this year. It's an ideal time to ask ourselves how we might spend it better next year. We like to make resolutions at the beginning of the year. I'm going to try to convince you to resolve to make your minutes count a bit more. I've been told, with alarming frequency, that I need to be less controlled, more open, and more raw. I'm better, they say, if I am just myself, whatever it is they mean by that. Forget the proofreading, the editing, the scribbling on the clipboard until, by the fourth or fifth draft, I have something ready to read to you. In order to placate these folks, I consent to live interviews and conversations they can put on their own shows, or I can hide on Patreon on what I call Fred's back porch. The last one I put there has had five plays. That's five more than I wanted. But a good friend worked hard to make my rambling into art. It deserves to be heard by those who really want to hear it. How often are you willing to leave your house in the morning without a shower? Without doing something with your hair? Or without making sure your clothes match? For me, this was always either a wild guess or, if I got it right, It was because when I took my laundry home to mom, she would put shirts and pants that matched properly on the same hanger. Then there was always the issue of whether to tuck. I rarely got it right. I don't leave the house now unless I have a very important reason to do so. My groceries can be delivered. If I'm going out, it's because I have to help a friend or I have to get cigarettes. Arizona has strange laws concerning this. I can get alcohol and marijuana delivered, but not cigarettes. I see no logic in that. And I don't use alcohol anymore. The part of me you see on my front porch is the part of me I like. It is not, as seems to have been implied, phony. It's not a fake. It's the product of half a century of study. It's what I have worked very hard to create. The unvarnished Fred, to begin with, smells bad. He looks like he's probably homeless. He expresses himself poorly and he's often repetitive. He's filled with irrelevant tripe. He can't think quickly enough to keep up with the conversation. He's working himself to death just to tolerate your presence, no matter how much he likes you, whether it's on the phone, in a Zoom or Zencaster meeting, or in person. He may love you deeply and completely, but I swear he resents the hell out of not being able to edit his thoughts. He misses his keyboard. He needs to see his words on the screen to show him where he's kicking ass and where he's full of shit. I just noticed I typed word instead of words above. I fixed it, of course. But if that had been live, I would like myself less. I would feel stupid. I would feel lazy. I would be less than I want to be. Telling me I need to get over it is really saying Stop being who you really are. This, this man who has written, rewritten, edited, scribbled, and done his best to perfect his content, this is the real me. Anthony, in California, didn't like the unfiltered Fred much at all. I don't blame him. I don't either. He's not as bright as I would like him to be. His wit is slow. His responses are stilted and nervous. He's acutely aware of being unattractive. He's long since given up on trying to change that. I would never dream of telling anyone else who they really are. You are, as far as I'm concerned, who you think you are. You are who you try to be. Let me know when you're comfortable being less than the best you can possibly be. I never am, at least in front of others. For me, the idea that raw is more real is an excuse for laziness. It says to me, I don't want to think, I just want to react in real time. If someone doesn't like it, fuck them. Okay, you're welcome to be that way. I applaud you for it if you believe that's the best you can be. I don't deny there is a value in that. It's a very popular notion that if you offend someone, it's not your problem, it's theirs. That's a reasonable position. It's very different from mine. I don't want to offend anyone, because I have no desire to make any of the minutes of someone's life less happy than they were before they listened to me whether you're dealing with me in real time and there are less than half a dozen people on the planet who do that with any regularity or you're dealing with front porch fret. i have no desire to make you feel bad those are minutes of your life i can never return to you and minutes are our most valuable Possession. Last week, I had to leave the house because my best friend had to put her dog to sleep. She was devastated. If you don't understand why, I wonder if you ever loved an animal. For the last several days, she said over and over that she wants just five more minutes with Norman. She just wants to kiss his little face again. She just wants his head on her lap again. She wants him to piss her off just once more. I understand that. And here's the thing. She had lots and lots of minutes while he was alive. How many of them did she waste being out with a man who doesn't love her? How many did she waste at pointless meetings at school? How many did she waste in any number of dull activities? I don't blame her for this. It didn't seem like it was an emergency. She had lots and lots of time left with him. And no matter how much she had, no matter how much time you have to be with those you love, no matter how much time I have at my keyboard, that time is finally, it will absolutely and certainly end. It has to, we are all mortal. All that lives must die, passing through nature to eternity. You're old and disillusioned now, as you realize at last that all you have accomplished here, will have soon all turned to dust. You dream of a future afterlife. Well, that's as may be, I don't know. But you can't take what you left behind. You're all alone. So, keep in mind, don't live today for tomorrow like you were immortal. The only survivors on this world of ours are warming sun, the cooling rain, the snowflake drifting on the breath of the breeze, the lightning bolt that frees the sky from it, yet only eagles seem to pass on through, the words of love, the cries of hate, and the man in the moon. Genesis, Burning Rope. My mother is 91 years old. Her future is going to be briefer than I would like it to be. This is a fact of life. Few of us live a full century. What must happen will happen far too soon. I know this and I ensure that every night, regardless of my circumstances, I call her at 7.37 p.m. I did this even in California, when I felt small and afraid most of the time. I put on a show for her every night so she wouldn't worry about me. We talk for between 5 and 10 minutes. The conversation has no depth. It reveals nothing new about either of us. It's simply an opportunity to be together again, just for a little while. I will almost certainly never be in her physical presence again. She wouldn't remember it if I was, and it's an incredibly expensive Uber ride to where she lives. The last time I did this was in June of 2021, and it went much worse than I wanted it to go. My sister, who has nothing but contempt for me, made sure she was there for the length of the visit, just in case I would do something horrible to Mom. I want to minimize, as much as possible, my aching to have just five more minutes with Mom when she's gone. I will almost certainly have had those five minutes the night before she slipped her earthly bonds. I'm hoping to comfort myself that way when I'm crying. I didn't waste the minutes that were available to me. These are my minutes. I will spend them as I see fit, for good or for ill. I don't really need anyone to tell me how to spend them. I have never asked for a life coach. I have Ernest Hemingway, Harper Lee, Aaron Sorkin, Sarah Nimitz and Genesis, as well as scores of other artists, for that purpose. I promise I will rarely ask you how I should live my life. I will certainly not tell you how to live yours. I'll just share my ideas and experiences, and you decide what to do with them. Would you like to be kinder to others after you've listened to my show? If so, fantastic! if not i completely respect that and i'm not going to tell you why you're wrong i present my case to the world and that's the end of it there are those who are resentful that i'm no longer the teacher i once was i'm sorry they feel that way i did that for 29 29 years, years and i'm old and tired now i don't want to do that anymore. And if I did, I'm not anything approaching healthy enough to manage it. It's not just the classroom management or grading papers. I could skip those things if I were teaching my friends. It's the effort of trying to help without being insulting. That's not how I want to spend what are left of my minutes. Teaching writing to children is easy. I'm worried about showing them how to use quotation marks and starting new lines each time they change speakers. I'm not worrying about their style, their themes, or how to create the most powerful catharsis. Adults are often offended when you try to help them, because to do so means telling them that something they did didn't work. No one wants to hear that. And we all believe our writing is the best there is. At least until we've been writing long enough to be able to tell the difference between genius and mediocrity. I have no trouble telling you that there are millions of writers who are infinitely better than I will ever be. No matter how much I write, I won't make it to the level of Aaron Sorkin. Shakespeare isn't even a serious question. There is a powerful Dunning-Kruger effect within nearly everyone who wants to be a writer. They don't know enough about writing to understand why theirs doesn't work as well as they would like it to work. If I were teaching college-level Writing 101, I might have had a shot at helping with that. I never did that, though, and I'm too old now. Again, I have nothing to gain by using my minutes to hurt someone's feelings. More than 30 years ago, I wrote a short novel that my father, who is the best writer I've ever met, told me wasn't ready to be inflicted on others. The characters were underdeveloped, the plot was thin, and it was essentially a half-cooked McDonald's cheeseburger. He was right, but hearing him say that was deeply painful. I stopped writing for two years. When I returned to it, I produced a play that got a standing ovation both nights it was performed at Victor Valley College in California. Dad was beaming with pride in me. I took two years to transform my writing from whining melodrama into intelligent reflections on my own experiences specifically and on the world in general. I was a better writer. I think today I'm a good writer, but nothing approaching a great one. If you want me to help with your writing, the best I can say is, let me do it my way. If you don't want to let me ghostwrite the whole thing, I understand. But that's all I can do. I'm too old, I'm too tired, I'm too crabby, and being around people is too difficult for me. My minutes are ticking away, and I'm accomplishing nothing useful with them. When you want the real Fred, you'll find him only on the front porch. The rest is an ugly looking bag of mostly water that exists only so I can be who I want to be. I don't really believe that who you are when you first climb out of bed in the morning, before you've had your morning caffeine, before you've showered, before you're even coherent, is the real you. I think the real you is the one you wish to share with the world. You're not fake because you make yourself presentable. You're human. Don't let someone tell you that you should be more genuine. You are genuine when you are the person you choose to present to the world. Since I never willingly deal with other human beings, this is the genuine Fred. Let's stop telling each other who is real and who is not. Let's stop telling each other who we need to be. Let's love each other as the people we choose to allow the world to see. There is nothing disingenuous about being the best we can. There's nothing wrong with being less than our best sometimes. Let's let everyone be who they want to be. Let everyone spend their incredibly precious minutes in the ways they choose. I don't recommend becoming diabetic and winding up in the emergency room 15 times in four years because your blood has, as I understand it, turned to acid and is trying to kill you from the inside out. But the advantage of being mostly dead is that I get to spend my minutes my way i'm singularly unhealthy i'm wildly unlikely ever to feel good Good. again but i'm in a place where i take no more orders i have no deadlines except those i impose on myself i am free to choose how to spend my minutes i wish everyone had that freedom How many brilliant artists have never been allowed to create something beautiful? How many extraordinary scientists have been unable to add to our understanding of the universe? How many mothers have been unable to give their children all the love they need because our minutes are stolen from us? How many hugs have we sacrificed? How much love? has never been allowed to blossom because we had no time to devote to it? How much is the world lost because we don't get to live as we choose? A man named Dave Ramsey loves to give advice on how to budget such that you have enough. He will sometimes suggest that to get out of poverty, you need to stop wasting money on things you don't really need. You can skip Starbucks, and you'll be able to pay rent. Anthony told me that I wasted my money on things I didn't need, such as the mic cord I bought to do this show. It was $8. I know next to nothing about economics. Anthony Taganist and Dave Ramsey may well be right. But to follow their model, I would tell you to choose wisely how to spend your minutes. Make as many of them as possible, as happy and powerful and meaningful and effective as possible. It's a waste of minutes to be unhappy. I promise that when you are down to your final five minutes, you won't spend them wishing you had just a little more time to sell direct TV or to wipe a table at Burger King, or do just one more Zoom meeting. You won't wish you had more money, it's of no use to you. You'll wish you had more time. You'll find yourself wanting to hug someone you love one more time. You'll long for just one last sunset. You'll yearn For just a little longer to smell the scent of the pines in the air. Or the taste of one more cup of coffee. Or if you're me, just one more sip of Diet Pepsi. Do those things now. No matter what you do, you'll never get those minutes back. Use those minutes to be happy now. now. I know we have to work to survive. I'm trying to change that. But when you can find a few priceless minutes that are your own, make them matter. I've used up quite a few of your minutes on this podcast. I hope these were good minutes. I hope they helped you. If they did, I'm proud. If they didn't, I'm sorry. All that's left now is to exercise... The supreme gift of the artist, the knowledge of when to stop. There are two examples of the need for revenge with which most of the world is at least somewhat familiar. The first is Hamlet, one of the most famous fictional characters in all of literature. The second is Inigo Montoya, who is beloved by the millions who are passionate about the Princess Bride. Both are excellent examples of the fact that revenge doesn't work out well. Khan tells us it's a dish best served cold. What does he mean by that? Since it's a piece of art, your opinion is certainly as valid as mine. To me, it's that it's been sitting around a while. The heat has dissipated, with the exception of sushi, which for me is a punishment all its own anyway, and ice cream which is a sweet treat that hardly seems appropriate. Nearly everything humans eat is preferable when it's fresh out of the oven, or off of the stove, or, if you're me, from the microwave. Waiting for it to get cold is to spoil it. It has lost most of its flavor. This is, according to Khan and the many who came before him, the best way to get revenge. You don't do it immediately. You wait until the right time because it will maximize the pain of its intended victim, even if it takes a long time to see it happen. And the longer you wait, the longer the hate, if left unchecked, grows in your soul. are the names of the people of the porch. I am grateful to them not only for their generous financial support, but for opening their minds to my ideas every week. You may reject those ideas, but you consider them. And for that, I am truly grateful. Jenner and Studio Stargazer Hermione Granger, Edith Keeler, and Coralie Day with Scott Knight. Sherlock, the mystery patron. Mandy, Barbara Hauser, Kevin Boyce, Joe March, Miles O'Brien, Sandy Brower, Lena Miller, Mike Cooper, Phil Parkman, Judy W. Morris, Chris Donley, Corey Pluard, Claude Burt Lansden, Jesse Rogers, Virginia Rupert, Scott Shelby, Mark Rosma, Laura Engram, Natalie, Elizabeth Bennett, Zaref, Robert Blomker, Greg Royball, Jake Margarum, Stacey Height, and... Frau Bluka. Cindy Mandel, Amos Stewart, Michelle Sylvester, Marley Maple Miracle, Carrie Dedeo, Ursula Phillips, Pavel Shabayev, Sarah Nimitz, John G., Christine L. Patterson, Chuck Curry, Corey, Kim, Deborah Rice, Jamie Sassy and The Lady in the Doorway. We also have Jereen, our very first supporter. On Anchor, we have Zara, Daniel H., A.A. Milne, John Donovan, Stacy Height, Cindy Mandel, and Corey. Thank you for helping us to bring the Front Porch to life. I still consider us a small but hopeful community that will shine together. Thanks for letting me share my thoughts and ideas with you. Follow me at Front Porch Fred on Twitter. And get your episodes early and commercial free on Patreon. See you next week. Produced by Studio Stargate.